Good morning and welcome to Channel Africa, your gateway to Africa, bringing you news from an African perspective. We currently on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa. In the headlines, vote counting underway in Madagascar following Wednesday's presidential election. A South African journalist and a Kenyan colleague who were detained by law enforcement in Tanzania last night have been released and Sudan and the United States to hold further talks on removing Khartoum from the terrorism sponsor list. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. Vote counting is underway in Madagascar in a presidential race that put incumbent President Heri Rajwanirayampianina against his two main challengers, former presidents Makro Valamanana and Andre Rojelina. The 36 presidential candidates have all promised to improve the country's economy, create new jobs and end graft. The winner must take more than 50% of the votes cast. If the poll needs to go to a second round, it will involve only the two top candidates and take place on the 19th of December. A South African journalist and a Kenyan colleague who were detained by law enforcement in Tanzania last night have been released. South Africa's High Commissioner to Tanzania, Tamim Mseleku, says the journalists are safe and relieved that they are now with him. Mseleku briefed South Africa's Minister of International Affairs, Lendwe Sisulu, last night and early this morning, saying he and his Kenyan diplomats will continue to engage with Tanzanian authorities until the passports of the journalists are returned and all the facts have been established around the arrest. Sudan and the United States are set to hold further talks on removing Khartoum from the terrorism sponsor list. Sudan's foreign ministry says the country and Washington have agreed to launch the second phase of strategic talks aimed at removing Sudan from the U.S. state sponsors of terrorism list. The U.S. has indicated it's willing to remove Sudan from the list if the country undertakes further reforms. In a statement, the U.S. Department offered the prospect of a formal process to delist Sudan. Sudan as it called for further anti-terrorism cooperation and improvements in human rights. The United States also wants Sudan to act on outstanding claims related to terrorism. Only three other countries are on the U.S. blacklist, Iran, North Korea and Syria. Questions have been raised about the future of the inquiry into Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. election following the sacking of Donald Trump's Attorney General Jeff Sessions. He will be temporarily replaced by the Chief of Staff Matthew Whitaker, a Trump loyalist. The BBC's Chris Butler reports. Donald Trump had lost faith a long time ago in his Attorney General, and much of his frustration was connected to the ongoing investigation into allegations of Russian interference and collusion in the 2016 presidential election. Jeff Sessions had recused himself from overseeing the inquiry being led by the special counsel Robert Mueller. However, it's understood the new acting Attorney General, Matthew Whitaker, will take over responsibility for it and he's previously been publicly critical of the probe. Several leading Republicans, including Susan Collins and Mitt Romney, have now joined Democratic senators like Chuck Schumer to say that the special counsel must be allowed to complete his work.
And finally, CNN journalist Jim Acosta, who was described by U.S. President Donald Trump as a rude, terrible person at a press conference about the midterm elections, has had his press card to the White House withdrawn. The BBC's Chris Butler reports. In an angry exchange, President Trump called CNN's Jim Acosta a rude, terrible person and ordered him to sit down as he was asking questions about comments Mr. Trump had made about immigrants. When he refused, an intern attempted to take the microphone from Mr. Acosta's hands, but he resisted. President Trump's press secretary, Sarah Sanders, has now accused him of placing his hands on a female member of staff and unacceptable conduct. CNN and their correspondents say that's a lie and claim that his White House press pass has been removed simply for asking challenging questions of the president. Recapping the top stories, vote counting underway in Madagascar following Wednesday's presidential election. A South African journalist and a Kenyan colleague who were detained by law enforcement in Tanzania last night have been released. And Sudan and the United States to hold further talks on removing Khartoum from the terrorism sponsor list. African Dialogue, looking at different events in-depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of, one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. You're listening to African Dialogue. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms. Remember, we are on shortwave, and if you're listening to us on DSTV, we're also on that particular channel on the audio bouquet 802. That's the channel in South Africa and some of the SEDEC countries. You can also find us online on www.channelafrica.co.za. That's www.channelafrica.co.za. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Moshatama. Well, we're outside of our Johannesburg studios at the SABC today. We're today at the Cape Town International Convention Center, and we're at the Africa Women Innovation and Entrepreneurship Forum. And uh, if you um, uh, if you're listening to us, uh, we are at this particular forum that is actually here to celebrate and actually acknowledge women innovators and female entrepreneurs on the African continent. The theme this year is unleashing ideas, innovation, sustainability, and enterprise growth. Well, thank you for joining. Joining us as we're going to be here speaking to some of the female innovators on the African continent. And uh, if uh, you also are going to join us, we know that there's a huge delegation here of experts, policymakers, academics, development organizations, and also investors here to really transact on how to actually increase and harness women entrepreneurship on the African continent. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to take the conversation forward. No matter where you go, remember the road that will lead you home. 
One of Africa's most impressive events, the East African Market Festival, is taking place in Johannesburg, South Africa's biggest city, during the month of November 2018, culminating the main event on the 17th of November. Hosting a selection of incredible talented musicians, a craft market, East African cuisine, and much, much more, the East African Market Festival. Bring your family and friends. Come experience East Africa. If you cannot make it, then join Channel Africa as we bring you the excitement and sounds from the event. Channel Africa, bringing you to the African perspective. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Well, thank you for joining us. As I mentioned, when we started the program, uh, we are at the fourth annual Africa Women in Innovation and Entrepreneurship Forum. This is our second time here at this particular gathering, and we were here last year. And it was a very interesting dynamic in terms of how things have changed from last year into this year. When you listen to the conversations this year, there's a lot of emphasis around digital innovation, how we can actually um, be more effective, especially when it comes to female entrepreneurships or entrepreneurs, how they can actually harness or actually increase their capacity within the digital economy. So, so many conversations are happening. I know as time goes, we're going to be speaking about agribusiness and there's a lot of topics that are going to be covered and also the issues of how women can also deal with some of the limitations in terms of how they are actually having challenges even within the entrepreneurial space within the African continent. Well, leading the conversation uh, tomorrow, or rather today, a little bit later, is the CTA, which is uh, uh, the Technical Center for Agricultural and Rural Cooperation, and they'll be having a high-level panel looking at the topic, creating value for women in agribusiness. Now, joining us uh, from uh, the CTA, we've got Olivia Hersperger, uh, who's joining us here on our program. Thank you, Olivia, for giving us your time. Thank you. Now, tell us a little bit about the CTA, how you got in, in, involved in the AWIF concept and uh, why you guys have this emphasis on uh, being involved in uh, uh, women on the African continent being uh, involved in agriculture. So we, we are involved uh, with AWIF because we have uh, this initiative called Value for Her that uh, mm. we, uh, AWIF is implementing in uh, Southern Africa, while AWAN and other uh, institution is implementing in Eastern Africa so we CTA have acknowledged like uh, many other institutions that uh, women are uh, really represented in a, in a agricultural value chain but they are not at the uh, end of the business where the money is made so 
our initiative is about to um, women empowerment, mm. agribusiness-led empowerment uh, businesses. Mm. It's really about uh, giving to uh, all these uh, rural women mm. the capacity to network, the capacity to uh, reach out the end because they have the will to do, but mm. sometimes they don't know how to. So we are then to empower them. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's also about really making sure that also you, you look at adding value, especially when it comes to focusing on um, uh, those um, avenues when it has to do with uh, agricultural value chains. How important is that, that it's not just about the woman who's picking uh, uh fruits from the garden or there's there's more to agriculture than farming in itself yeah it's about uh, how you can uh, enhance your your farming because the well i was speaking with one of the very for nomini uh, yesterday she's in macadamia in kenya so yeah. she she is in contact with a lot of smallholders but mm. she wants to scale up she wants to make sure that uh, they reach more than they, sh- they, they could so mm. they want to reach the big market but sure. they don't know have the the means the how to so it's about uh, make sure that practices, the back practices, are implemented everywhere, mm. and not only for the happy few. Mm. And in terms of giving people also technical capacity, as the CTA, how do you make sure that people actually have also added skills to uh, their own agricultural businesses? But through a workshop led by CTA or by our partners, we have many uh, capacity building gatherings. So, mm. and we. So it's about going to the field and meeting mm. people and sometimes training trainers. Mm. So through cooperative or through directly uh, other institutions. So it's about uh, making the link between the rural uh, smallholders mm. and the, the big corporation mm. or with the capacity building. Mm. It can be also by um, implementing a digital platform where you can reach by uh, data mm. all the information that you like, weather data, um, it's about really, uh, yeah, it's empowerment with the tool and digitalization mostly. Mm. So we go to the field or we, our partner goes to the mm. field mm. and meeting with the small mm. holders. And also, where are the challenges in terms of where there are gaps in terms of um, capacity and, and skill? Have you seen any trends in some of the programs that you have where you think that this is a particular area that you have to focus on and invest in for these women in, in these agribusinesses? What uh, comes back a lot from uh, meeting with this woman is the lack of uh, financing, for example. Sure. They need to be trained and they all need to meet the, the, the right person to, to access finance. Mm-hmm. So they have plenty of ideas that we are sure mm-hmm. and uh, we need to empower them by uh, yeah, uh, training them on, the, on finance and the bank and uh, all these uh, things that are not always obvious because mm-hmm. they all focus on farming and farming is really uh, uh, companies as any other now so mm-hmm. it's really giving the, the, those, those skills mm. well let's let's wrap it up in terms of what do you guys want to achieve especially with this partnership with AWIF uh, from a, a long-term basis I know with investment especially with uh, uh, business it's it's not just a short-term investment it, it has a, a long-term relationship so what would you like to kind of achieve in, in this partnership I think behind every project we try to launch, we try to achieve sustainability. So, meaning that uh, for the moment we're working in Eastern Africa and Southern Africa, but we want this to be a continental initiative. Mm. And um, at some point, uh, I assume that CTA will have a minor role, and uh, 
African networks who will take the lead on this and will become the real owner of this project. We are just here to kick out this initiative mm. to make sure that also it's African owned at the end. Also, you guys are just facilitating exactly. a project. Exactly. Fantastic. Thank you, Olivia, for giving us your time. That's Olivia Hersperger, who is joining us uh, from the Technical Center for Agricultural and Rural Corporation. If you're just uh, joining us, remember, we're at the Africa Women Innovation and Entrepreneurship Forum, and uh, we're right here at uh, the International Convention Center here in Cape Town. Uh, the theme this year is Unleashing Ideas, Innovation, Sustainability, and Enterprise Growth. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to have more guests just to hear all the different conversations that are starting up as the conference begins today. You are listening to African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective. Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunian Zovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining me right here on Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue. Today we're broadcasting outside of our Johannesburg studios. Uh, remember, we are right here at uh, the Cape Town International Convention Center at the Africa Women and Entrepreneurship Forum. And uh, this year's uh, theme is very, very bright indeed and multifaceted. It's titled Unleashing Ideas, Innovation, Sustainability and Enterprise Growth. Well, this morning we've already had a lot of conversations uh, from the various uh, uh, presentations and uh, what I gathered from the opening today was there's a lot of people speaking around the digital economy, how does Africa female entrepreneurs actually harness uh, that particular potentiality there, uh, so there's a lot of conversations happening as well around how women are very central in uh, becoming more central and very important in Africa's uh, um, economy 
economy and society and we're seeing shifts in that especially when you look at uh, the landscape of demographic changes and population dynamics women are becoming very important in our economies well helping us in a discussion right now we've got uh, Josh Gaim who is a chief technology officer at Johnson and Johnson family of consumer companies they have the Africa innovation challenge uh, that they also partnering with Awif with uh, thank you uh, Josh for giving us your time okay. it's very weird we had a woman conference <laughs> but I'm speaking to all these guys today yes, yes. I, I guess all the girls are inside listening and taking all uh, that's happening inside yes. but tell us a little bit about uh, Johnson and Johnson's uh, uh, contribution to this particular conference Yes, I think uh, Johnson & Johnson has been in Africa since 1930. Mm. So over 80 years that we've been part of Africa. And for us, I think everything we've done, our whole, uh, pretty much since inception of Johnson & Johnson, is always about entrepreneurship and innovation. Sure. And I think, as you highlighted at the beginning, women are a big factor in terms of what we want to see in the future, mm. whether it's the future of Africa and the future of the world. And uh, we continue to enhance in terms of what we need to do in Africa mm. so that uh, it's, it's a simple concept, which is the only people that could solve Africa's problem are Africans. Mm. And for Johnson & Johnson, we think that all the ideas can come from anywhere, which means that we want to work with women, with African entrepreneurs. We just need to su support them in mm. the background. Sure. And this is part of the reason why we're doing the Africa Innovation Challenge mm. 2.0. We did one two years ago here in Africa, mm. which was very successful. Sure. Now we're actually expanding it, and this is a perfect conference mm. to actually kick it off because we want to encourage more women to actually be entrepreneurs, be part of the exciting economic change that we're seeing in Africa. Unpack a little bit more about what that program is all about. Yeah, the African Innovation Challenge is a simple concept which looks at how do we encourage entrepreneurship and innovation in Africa. Mm. And from a Johnson & Johnson perspective, I think we're covering about six different areas across Africa because we think they're the biggest challenges that we see in Africa. Mm. And the way it works is we have incredible resources, capacity, capability, financial resources. So how do we provide entrepreneurs those resources? So what we do is we're going to award there's six areas that we're highlighting today. Um, out of those six areas, we're asking entrepreneurs across Africa to actually submit their ideas. Then we'll select the top ideas and we'll actually launch those. We'll provide up to 50,000 US dollars per idea for every idea that we select. But also, more importantly, we're going to provide them with a full year of mentorship, whether whatever they need, supply chain, R&D, engineering, anything that you need, we'll provide the support for one year to help the entrepreneurs actually accelerate whatever that idea is. How have the ideas been so far? Are you seeing any shifts from um, what actually is being put across as ideas and what kind of um, projects or entrepreneurial endeavors are yes. uh, these uh, entrepreneurs uh, endeavoring upon? Yeah, there's, there's a wide range. I think in most cases we've seen, at least in the last one, we saw um, people using Africa's natural resources, mm. which is botanicals, traditional medicine, sure. to create products here in Africa. Mm. We saw a lot of digital health, mm. which is access to healthcare workers is very scarce. Actually, yeah. that's true around the world. Yeah. So they're using digital mobile phones to be able to talk to your physician, to talk to someone that actually has a lot of background in healthcare, mm. uh, which is very important for Africa. I think we continue to see things in manufacturing. 
uh, people being able to create small products, but then helping them how to scale so that instead of making it by hand, how do we automate that? I think there's a lot of those types of technologies that we continue to see, but we think that I think the digital space is going to be significant, uh, but also from a healthcare, we would love to see more simple surgical solutions, digital health. Um, seriously, we're looking for packaging solutions because, as you know, uh, people tend to buy a lot of smaller quantities, but that means that you're using a lot of plastics that can, tends to create a lot of environmental issues. Sure. So innovation around packaging, all of that is going to be very important in terms of what we're looking for in Africa. And there's a pattern to what you're saying because all of these things that you've cited or these ideas have a sociological aspect of things almost kind of they have kind of a consciousness to them Um, how important is that that you're seeing women actually creating these products but they also have um, a social impact Oh, the social impact is actually, that's one of the measures. It has to be scalable to large, not just so if the idea is coming from Uganda, from Nairobi, from here in Cape Town, we want to make sure that it can be expanded across Africa and potentially even across the world. So I think the social impact, what it does in the communities is at the top of the list. To give you an idea, the last three winners, we actually announced them a year ago in Joburg at the Entrepreneurship Week. in Liberia and Burundi and Uganda, the three winners, all of them so far have hired about 400 new employees since we, we started to work with them, most of them women, which means that when the women do really well, then their families are going to do very well. Yeah, it's yeah, just sure. an, it's a cycle that you create that to make it very sustainable for the communities. Mm. And let's move on to this space where it has been emphasized this morning around the digital economy. Yes and how there's a, it, we, we might not be in Silicon Valley on the African continent or have one, but uh, there are a lot of variety of uh, digital projects that can actually have a lot of impact. And it seems like, as you mentioned and cited earlier on, a lot of female entrepreneurs also are moving into that space. Oh, absolutely. I think, I think the digital, it's actually in Nairobi, you've seen Facebook and others do some investments recently ah. on coders and people that could do a lot of the development of this digital programming and things like that. I think that's key, but we want to see more women actually get involved. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that we almost have to go all the way back to education. Yeah. So how do we make sure, so J&J has a big program right now. We made a commitment, what's called science, technology, engineering, and math. We actually expanded it to include manufacturing and design, uh, make sure that there are more girls going into those fields. And I think we made a commitment that over one million girls, we want to see participate in those fields by 2020, which means that we have to work very closely with the universities in Africa, with elementary schools, just across the board. We have to work with all of them. Fantastic. Well, in terms of the plan for later today, I know that you have a lot of kind of that is going to be based here as Johnson Johnson with this particular Africa Innovation Challenge. Just to let our listeners know the expectations in terms of how you're going to be um, embarking on that particular project today yeah. and uh, what's going to be outlined. Yeah, so this afternoon, actually this morning, we released the press release, so okay. it's available. If you look for J&J Innovation, sure. you will find the Africa Innovation Challenge launch. Mm-hmm. This afternoon at the conference, we'll give more details about sure. the, the website where you can go and apply. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things we're looking for is everybody to tweet it, use your social media to sure. tell other people. Yeah. We want to get the word out. The way the, prog- the program works is you go on the website, you apply, uh, 
was your ideas, um, and we'll then go through a whole process to select the right ideas that can be scaled. But more importantly, I think it's we want people to recognize everything you do, you own. So we want to make sure a lot of times when they hear companies, big companies getting involved, <laughs> like what, yeah, what, what, yeah. why are they doing it? Yeah. I want to be very clear. There's no strings attached. Sure. So which means that you can work with us if you want to, if you don't have to, but at least apply and we can help you advance your ideas. But there's nothing you need to sign with Johnson & Johnson to say they're going to do something with their idea. Fantastic. So All the best with, with this particular project. It's a fantastic innovation. And uh, thank you for giving us your time. Excellent. That's Josh Kaim, who is the Chief Technology Officer at Johnson & Johnson Family of Consumer Companies. Thank you for coming all the way from the USA and giving us your time. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we are still staying here at uh, the AWIF uh, Forum. Uh, remember, it is the Africa Women in Innovation and Entrepreneurship Forum, really here to harness, really empower, and also to actually celebrate uh, female entrepreneurs on the African continent. I'm going to take a quick break. Hopefully, when we come back, we'll speak to a lady. We've been speaking to too many guys, I think, uh, for a woman conference. But when we come back, we'll have uh, hopefully a lady to speak to us really about the importance of innovation and entrepreneurship on the African continent. No matter where you go, remember the road that will lead you One of Africa's most impressive events, the East African Market Festival, is taking place in Johannesburg, South Africa's biggest city, during the month of November 2018, culminating the main event on the 17th of November. Hosting a selection of incredible talented musicians, a craft market, East African cuisine, and much, much more, the East African Market Festival. Bring your family and friends. Come experience East Africa. If you cannot make it, then join Channel Africa as we bring you the excitement and sounds from the event. Channel Africa, bringing you to the African perspective. Well, thank you for joining us right here on uh, Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama. Uh, we are right here at the Africa Women Innovation and Entrepreneurship Forum. It's the fourth of its kind, and it's our second time here. And the conversations have changed from last year to this year, and it seems like there's a lot of conversations, And I've, as I've been mentioning this hour, around digital innovation, and a lot of women also speaking around uh, how there are shifts in terms of uh, the uh, the market in itself on the African continent and what it represents due to the fact that we're seeing a lot of changes in our demographics and our populations and also new challenges in that regard. Speaking today at one of the opening sessions was Barbara Makubedu, who is the Chief Financial Officer at Shell Downstream South Africa. She's joining us. Barbara, I've been speaking to a lot of guys this morning. I think it's because there were too many ladies in sight listening, so I'm so relieved to have you here speaking to us. I was kind of worried. Why am I speaking to so many guys at a women's conference. I would wonder, <laughs> but good morning to you, Benjamin, and good morning to your listeners. Fantastic. Barbara, tell us a little bit about how Shell is involved in this particular forum and why have you centralized uh, uh, female women entrepreneurship? Yes, so for us, um, really advancing and empowering women, especially in the entrepreneurship space, is quite important. So we saw this opportunity with AWIF looking at the 
values, looking at what is driving our with, it actually resonates with what we do. So our participation is more of a sponsorship participation, but also partnering with them where they need us to be involved in certain programs to really advance this pursuit of advancing women entrepreneurship in Africa. How important is it? It seems very simplistic, but in a very complex society that's Africa, because Africa is not just, a, it's not a country, it's so dynamic in its population, so dynamic in its business markets. I know that Shell has an African uh, footprint. Yeah. And in, in that regard, uh, is it that simple for us to actually have this endeavor to actually want to see um, African entrepreneurship increase on the African continent due to the challenges that we have of patriarchy, what's happening in the business room where it's male-dominated. And overall, when you see the business structures on the African continent, you see a masculinity in its nature and how it's looking from the outside. So from your perspective, how do we change those particular dynamics and challenges? Yeah, and it is for that, uh, for those reasons that you are mentioning that mm. we definitely need to, to do this. It is very complex. Mm. Africa is uh, huge, mm. but our challenges are quite common mm. across all of the countries in Africa. Mm. And also our social norms, our what I'll call culture, mm. is also quite similar across Africa. So changing that dynamic will require a force that could actually operate across the continent because looking at it in silo approach, you may not necessarily be able to achieve the scale of the impact that we want that we want to drive. And I think that's what's important about this forum because it actually gives uh, women entrepreneurs a chance to create those networks. It really does. Uh, and it is through this type of networks through this type of platforms where women of similar mindsets can really get together and share experiences, share learnings to be able to tackle some of these challenges. So this um, forum and this network provide uh, the women with that opportunity. And I just want to come back to the issue of what has been emphasized today, especially in terms of the digital economy. A lot of the ladies have been speaking about that today, speaking about what's happening in terms of the trends in mobile infrastructure on the African continent and how much there's a lot of uh, potential in that landscape. What, what were your thoughts around that morning session and some of those uh, talking points that came out? Yeah, I think it is that um, acceptance that if we do not move on with the times, especially when it comes to taking advantage of technology and digitalization, the needle that we're trying to move mm. will move very slowly. Right? Mm. Um, so I quite resonate uh, with some of the data points uh, that the ladies were talking about uh, this morning. For us, one of the things that also came out of the conversation was the skill set that we have and the quality of our education and what we are focusing on in terms of our education system. Right? Yeah. So if we really do not put a lot of emphasis yeah. on technology, especially at schools level, at education level, it also becomes very difficult to really move forward 
in this in this space. Well, it's fantastic. Now we've been also joined into the conversation by Dr. Amina Guripakim, who is the sixth president of the Republic of Mauritius. She had a keynote speech this morning titled Driving Growth and Sustainability Through Business and Innovative Practices. Uh, Honorable Doctor, thank you for giving us your time. Thank you. Uh, you. You highlighted a lot of points, but what we've been speaking about was something you also emphasized in terms of uh, the fact that we, we are in a digital age and Africa has to start diversifying itself uh, uh, in that particular mm-hmm. arena. Mm-hmm. How important is that, especially for women entrepreneurship? Well, I think uh, digitization is going to be, um, the, well, it is the future. It's there already. And it's a space that will uh, precisely be an enabler. I think that uh, with more and more women accessing digital technologies, um, we can reach even the most remote places in Africa. And uh, with the, the advent of technology and accessibility, democratization of that space, I can see more and more women emerging uh, out of poverty. And when a woman emerges out of poverty, it's the entire family that moves out in the community. Mm -hmm. So this is where we need to empower a lot more women. And uh, I come up with this very caricatural kind of representation. No football match can be won if you leave 52% of the team outside. Sure, sure, (laughs) that's true. (laughs) Also, digitalization also gives us as a continent, an opportunity to diversify in terms of the products that we offer. Yes, mm. yes. Uh, well, diversifying the production is one thing, but I think in Africa where we suffer a lot is if I take, for example, the field of agriculture mm. um, in terms of post-harvest mm. and how do you get it to the market very quickly. Mm. And this is again where uh, digital space can, prov- can make a difference because if you look at uh, technologies, like the blockchain technologies, if mm. you create that space, then the people will have access to that particular product faster. Uh, because they will all be connected and they will know where the price is cheaper, for example, and where the production is most, uh, you know, is there. So in some large countries, I think blockchain and new technologies will be a game changer. Well, Barbara, when she started speaking during her speech, she was speaking about also the issue of unemployment, and that's a becoming a huge problem, especially on the African continent, especially with the increasing um, youth population who seem to be actually at a back foot here. How do we actually make sure that we also deal with that particular problem? Because in that regard, you know, women become the most vulnerable, especially young women in in that instance. Yeah, it's a fact that uh, Africa is the youngest continent, the median age 18 to 20. These are the figures which most, most multilateral organizations are coming up with. And uh, as has been said by previous speakers, we need to empower them with tools. We need to actually uh, promote education, but not just any kind of education, good quality education, because the, each young person must learn to become a job provider. Mm and not a job seeker. Mm. And uh, no government, as I've mentioned, graduates landing on the job market, 11 million, there's no way any government will be able to produce that many jobs. Mm. But if we teach them from a very young age that they will become job providers, this will be a game changer. But again, the notion of risk has to be kind of, uh, you know, factored in at a very early age. And um, learning to take risk is already a big thing. And this is again where women are disadvantaged because our social structure is such that yeah. we tend to format the women to be much more conservative, yeah. but they have to go out there and get it and make it on their own. Yeah. Coming back to you, Barbara, the, the issue that was also concerning when it comes to uh, women entrepreneurs on the African continent is just people getting that 
going when it comes to be, to capital resources and that has been a deficit for a long long time and it's still a conversation that i'm sure you will be embarking on at this particular gathering once again how do we actually leapfrog from that because that's something that we've still been battling from the issue of capital and resource yes and i i touched on that um this morning in mm. my in, in my speech i i do really see big business are having a huge role to play in that in that in that space because uh, without that partnership of those who have the capital and the know-how it becomes very difficult for a young startup SMME to be able to navigate that space so how do we tackle that i think through this collaboration but i think that mindset shift of big business to really see this is a huge opportunity to play the big sister to the younger sister so that we can really can create this environment for them to thrive. Is that a realistic uh, thing, Dr. Amina, in terms of the fact that sometimes with big corporates, it's still a competitive space. So even when you, you see shifts and at mo moments whereby you're seeing a collaborative effort between small, medium enterprises that could be led by a female entrepreneur, it's still not enough for them to actually grow in the scale that we want them to, to see them because sometimes it comes with certain limitations and a short, a short time period of mm -hmm. investment. As uh, my sister here has said, partnership. Yeah. And uh, big corporates, uh, you know, again, uh, in this uh, age of uh, I, you know, in internet and uh, uh, connectivity, I think uh, they're also very keen to promote an image. And we've seen that in all the activities that NetBank has done this morning, Shell is doing as yeah, well. Yeah. So there is this need to partner and there's this need to give back. Mm. And this is something which is growing with the concept of philanthropy. Mm. And uh, so we need to tap on this. But over and above the big corporates like mm. Shell, for example, all of these, we are talking about homegrown philanthropists, sure. African philanthropists. Mm. They also have to walk the talk sure. and this is something that we are engaging with yeah. and uh, there are initiatives which I'm involved in of course with other presidents as well yeah. is to capitalize on this Afro movement mm. having Afrocentric solutions mm. coming out of Africa from Africans mm. so this is something which maybe it sounds ideological but mm. it's not it's something which has to happen it has happened in many in the US has happened in China mm. in Asia where there is the culture of philanthropy mm. the culture of giving back and this is something that we need to keep on pushing all the time and I think we can only do that through these networks intra networks on the African continent, harnessing them and making sure that we, we actually strengthen uh, things from that particular perspective because that will also um, add the, the value chain if there's more collaborative effort. Absolutely. I mean, this is something, again, we, which African Union has taken really full, full on board. Uh, mm. If we want to promote, you know, Africa, we have only 19% in terms of the formal exchange of the economy. Mm. And if you look at the European Union, for example, there's 49% of intra-European trade. Mm. Now, how do you leverage this kind of exchange mm. within a 1.2 billion you know, market? Mm. How do you actually promote? You know, it's very difficult to travel in Africa. Yeah, yeah. because there's no network for example so how do you promote um, uh, business and, and in exchange free trade and this is something which I've just mentioned that's 22 countries to deposit the instrument for ratification and we have a huge intra-Africa 
uh, market. Mm. So these are things that we need to address ourselves, but there's of course a lot of work to be done in terms of normalization, in terms of, of tariff, in terms of you know all these policies, mm. but it has to be done. We can start regionally. I know that SADC, for example, have started it, but there's so many of these blocks, but we need to start thinking across the continent. Mm. What are your final sentiments, Barbara, as, as we wrap up the, the program? Any final thoughts? Yeah, for me, I think the level of energy that has been generated uh, mm. in this uh, center today is really quite amazing. Mm. It is, again, that affirmation that, you know what, as women, we know that we can make a huge difference. Mm. And we know that we can really do what needs to be done to help tackle some of these challenges in this continent. Uh, so let's just continue doing it. Uh, but the opportunities mm. and the environment, let's make sure that uh, that is all conducive. Dr. Amina, your final sentence. Hope reigns supreme. <laughs> I'm prudent optimist sure. and I have a, I have lots of, of uh, you know, I, I, ha I have lots of faith in this continent, mm. especially with the youth. And more importantly, there's something which I have seen uh, in my lifetime uh, over the past few years is this, ne is this need to feel proud to be African. Mm. So this is very important. And when you're when you're proud to be who you are, it's already there. Fantastic. Thank you to the Honorable Dr. Mina Gurifakim, who is the sixth president of the Republic of Mauritius. Spoke beautifully this morning around the messaging, driving growth and sustainability through business and innovative practices. That was the opening keynote speech for today. And also thank you to Barbara Makubeedu, who is the chief financial officer from Shell Downstream South Africa. Thank you both for your contribution. Thank you so we much really for having us. Thank, thank you for having us. Well, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you for giving us your time. Just to let you know that tomorrow we will be continuing to broadcast right here. Our friends, uh, the Gateway team, will actually be actually broadcasting at 10 o'clock Central African time. That's 10 o'clock Central African time. So we'll continue to be broadcasting right here at the Africa Women Innovation and Entrepreneurship Forum. It's fantastic. The energy here is fiery. All these women connecting. I can just see the various conversations that are happening here at uh, the center. Uh, so I'm sure there's a lot to be talking about. And I'm sure we'll also give you updates in the other programs uh, during the day around the great conversations happening here at AWIF. But for me, Benjamin Mushatama, until next time, God bless. With your latest economic news, good morning, I'm Tracy Bumgard. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa has encouraged African leaders to create an enabling environment to drive... <coughs> Indeed, this is a marketplace to do deals and to conclude transactions. Africa is indeed a continent on the move. It is indeed a continent on the rise. It has experienced significant growth over the last two decades, and this has largely been fueled in part by improved governance and deepening democracy through a number of countries on our continent. Rising incomes have seen the growth of the middle class and an increase in consumer spending has followed in tow.
That was President Sol Ramaphosa delivering the keynote address at the Africa Investment Forum in Santon, north of Johannesburg. The forum aims to boost trade between African countries as well as drive investment for the continent. A Nigerian judge has adjourned a hearing in a two billion US dollar dispute between South African telecoms firm MTN and Nigeria's Attorney General until December 3rd. MTN faces a $2 billion tax demand from the country's Attorney General, a claim which the company has said was without merit. Nigeria's central bank has also accused MTN of illegally sending $8.1 billion abroad, which the company has also denied. Africa's fastest-growing indigenous oil marketing conglomerate, Kennel Kobel, based in Kenya, is set to acquire 33 petrol stations in Uganda and Rwanda, marking a return to expansion nearly three years since it scaled down its regional footprint by exiting Tanzania and the Democratic Republic of Congo markets. The company announced on Wednesday that it was acquiring the retail stations, 23 in Uganda and 10 in Rwanda, from Delta Petroleum, but did not disclose the value of the deal. In the wake of Liberia's economic woes, President George Weir, in collaboration with partners, is working to revive the oil sector, including the National Oil Company of Liberia and Liberia Petroleum Regulatory Authority. According to an executive mansion press release, Weir mandated the relevant institutions to work out necessary modalities for a successful reopening of the Liberia Basin, as well as the opening of the Harper Basin for oil and gas exploration. The president says in an effort to revive Liberia's economy, the government will be hosting bid rounds for selected blocks in the Liberia and Harper basins in 2019 and encourages interest companies to take advantage of the groundbreaking opportunities to invest in the sector. British multinational electricity and gas utility company National Grid has reported a 6% fall in half-yearly underlying